Welcome back to another show of Revealed Apologetics uh, with your host, Eli Ayala. And uh, I am super excited today because we have a wonderful guest uh, that I'll be interviewing to discuss uh, the topic of the apologetic legacy of Dr. William Lane Craig of Reasonable Faith. And uh, so I'm going to introduce um, our guest in just a few moments, just by way of quick announcements. Um, I'm going to be having a couple of other uh, interviews coming up with some very fascinating uh, guests covering various topics that range from theology, apologetics, and all those uh, other related uh, areas. Also, if, if those of you who are um, following my ministry at, at any level, I will also be engaging in a debate on the topic, is there evidence for the God of the Bible and on June 2nd? So stay um, tuned for that as well. Um, and uh, today, uh, I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about the legacy of William Lane Craig, who if anyone knows me specifically, <laughs> okay, they know I'm a Calvinist and they know that I'm a presuppositional apologist. And so you're probably wondering why on earth do I have a good friend of Dr. Craig, Kevin Harris, who, who'd actually... Um, hosts the Reasonable Faith uh, podcast, why would I have someone like Kevin Harris on my show talking about the apologetic legacy of William Lane Craig? Well, if you are reformed and you are a presuppositional apologist and you have a problem with that, you could always go to a different channel because uh, regardless of my theological perspective and my apologetic perspective, I would have to be um, living under a rock to not acknowledge the apologetic influence that Dr. Craig is having on, uh, in the world of Christianity today. And more specifically, I would be uh, very dishonest uh, if I couldn't admit that um, Dr. Craig has um, had a profound influence on my own thinking. And so um, I, it's a great pleasure and a joy to have Kevin Harris here, and maybe one day uh, we, we can get Dr. Craig as well. Um, I have been very influenced by uh, Dr. Craig's work, and I think Kevin Harris has done an amazing job um, kind of uh, asking the questions and sifting through material so that Dr. Craig can address those issues and, and can provide um, a great help to the body, uh, even if there are those who come from different, different perspectives. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, Kevin Harris. And if you want to take just a, a few seconds to tell folks about you, they probably know more about you than they would about me, but uh, you can take a few moments to uh, to share a little bit about yourself and what you do. in top 40 in rock radio for a long time all during the 80s started when i was in high school and moved more toward production um in the 90s and uh i saw i said you know how can i use my my gifts um in radio and in production and my love for apologetics and and sharing my faith and sharing the cause of christ how can i somehow put those together and yet also be as mainstream as possible. Because I often think that we, uh, we as followers of Christ miss opportunities by just going into the Christian world. Sure. And um, we need to learn how to, uh, in God's grace, navigate the mainstream because, well, that's where the people are, you know? Right. And, uh, and so I've tried to stay, in the stream and and be salt and light. I'm salt and light guy. Uh, that 
that takes um, takes a lot of discipline and maturity, you know, uh, to, to do that because uh, it can be treacherous, you know, from time to time and eat up by the big uh, entertainment machine. But um, um, I think that we're really doing that with, with reasonable faith with these podcasts. Hmm. Um, it, it's interesting. My, my, uh, introduction to apologetics, um, was interesting. I, it came through my study of eschatology. And so my, my brother-in-law actually, um, was called upon to DJ a wedding at the last second because the DJ had, um, for some, whatever reason he was unable to, to, to do the, the wedding. And so he, he wanted to borrow my, my iPod. Okay. And, and hook it up to some speakers and, um, uh, and use that for the music. And so after the wedding, he gave me my iPod back and, I, and I'm listening through stuff and he put music on there and a bunch of other audio material. And I was like, who's this William Lane Craig guy? Like, and I, that was my first introduction uh, to Dr. Craig and the Reasonable Faith podcast. And so from there, I have learned so much uh, uh, from uh, since then. And of course, I have uh, Dr. Craig's book here. And I know folks who are involved in apologetics, this is a very well-known uh, work. And um, as a teacher, prior to getting uh, a job as a teacher, I was posted uh, guard of the bathroom, doing uh, bathroom duty as, an, as a permanent sub from the morning to the, uh, to the afternoon. And I spent my entire day guarding the bathroom like a boss and reading the living daylights out of this, uh, out of this book. And so it was immensely helpful. And of course, in my uh, study of Dr. Craig, I was very familiar with your soothing radio voice, which I, <laughs> which I, I have to admit. I've been listening to you uh, for years before I actually saw what you look like. And I kind of see like, you don't look the same as the way you sound, which is usually the case with Brady. Do you get that a lot? Uh, I, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gosh. If you listen to a tape of me when I was 20. Okay. To a tape of me when I'm 60, which is now. Okay. That's how ancient I am. I still sound 20. And so if people see me and go, ah, you know, uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, it's just part of it. Your, your voice kind of stays the same, but, sure, uh, sure. but yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, I, tr it's so funny. The whole history of, of, of radio back when I started radio, you had to have a radio voice and just really puke and, <laughs> all that stuff. and MTV changed all that, uh, about 1981. I mean, everybody said, um, they were more casual. Hey, we got some music from Duran Duran coming up. Thanks for hanging out. And radio had to adapt because we all sounded like buffoons after they're, you know, we're talking like this. It's <laughs> casual. So that's one good thing. A little more transparent and a little more real and, um, and the whole bit. Um, uh, and that's moved right on into what you're doing as well. We're having a conversation. The podcasts that I do with Dr. Craig are, are very conversational. I try to keep it on the lay level, mm. which is not hard to do because, um, I'm, I've still got some reading to do on some of the things that we discuss. So I ask from the position of a layman, uh, yeah. what the what the average person is gonna is, is gonna ask. The thing about it is, is that people who listen to reasonable faith are so sophisticated mm. uh, for the most part that they're going, yeah, 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 I've heard all this. But just think about again the mainstream that there are a lot of people who are coming in, sure, and want to try to. Find that middle ground, you know, as yeah. much as you. And I think I think that's very important because I think one of the the great tasks of the apologist is to kind of take that 
ivory tower material and bring it down to the everyday person so it can be useful um, on the everyday level as well as you know it's useful within that context of scholarship. And I think that's a very uh, a very challenging thing to do, but I think you do it very well because you're kind of like the inner voice in the lay person's head. Well, I want to ask this and you ask it and they're like, oh, there you go. He asked it. And so um, hearing you kind of interact with someone like Dr. Craig and the way you ask questions, I think is, uh, I, to be honest, I think it's I think it's amazing on multiple levels, which is what I want to ask you about. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, and of course, I mean, who wouldn't want to have Dr. Craig on as well? I mean, you know, folks like him are very busy and we, we understand that goes. But as I've been listening to you, I have actually found that there is great apologetic insight in what you do, not merely with Dr. Craig answering the questions and uh, doing the explanations and things like that. What do you think is the apologetic value of doing what you do in the sense of researching material, sifting through good information and bad information such that you can crystallize the issues to in such a way that, yes, this is the package. This is what we're going to talk about. This is the important issue to address. How do you put your finger on the pulse of what's going on uh, in the world around us such that you give us relevant information? First of all, a lot of people help. I mean, I get emails and I need to put my email out there more often because um, I, maybe I haven't done as much, but even on sure. Facebook, people will send me topics. Hey, you ought to do a podcast on this. Uh, hey, what about this? And so um, people have helped from all over the world, you know, mm -hmm. Italy, Brazil, uh, Canada, and uh, everywhere. Um, and, and so that's one thing. Um, and, oh, man, you know, I have to go into the sewer of the uh, Internet. The internet. <laughs> and I have to wade through all the horrible things that people sure. say about Dr. Craig. Right. And, uh, we'll talk about that later if you want. I mean, he's sure. the real deal. I'll just give you a, a spoiler alert. He is the real deal. I'll tell you straight up and we'll talk about it. But uh, but I'll wade through there and kind of see what people see if I can. I'm, I'm pretty good at getting the buzz. What's what are people talking about? What's the chatter? I'll see what our atheist friends are talking about, um, kind of wade through that and some things like that. And Dr. Craig is a he's a philosopher. Mm -hmm. He's a professional philosopher. Uh, he's not an apologist first. Uh, apologetics just kind of comes out of that. And which is very valuable because we need to study philosophy and theology and all the disciplines and then culminate that into our apologetics. And so I will try to take his philosophical training and knowledge, which is like insane. Um, he's such an egghead. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, and then and then find the apologetic um, nugget nugget in there mine that nugget mine that nugget and, and bring it out so that we can use it in a, in a practical way and so that's that's what i try to do yeah and and, and that and i'm sorry can you say that again very accommodating of that because he had rather talk about something else and then i'll say you know, i'll get him down you know uh, i'll get him down off the off the uh, the top shelf but again i have to say that people are becoming more and more sophisticated people in junior high seventh grade eighth grade they know a lot these days. People are boning up on their on sure. their apologetics and philosophy. So it's good. So now, I guess a quick question for you before we move on to, to Dr. Craig is, um, can you speak to the idea of the apologetic value of what you do? I mean, what what is it? 
what is so apologetically valuable to be able to differentiate between good material and bad material and zero in on those important issues? Because you're going to run into not only some simple question that you've heard a million times from your brother-in-law, uh, you're going to run into some of the most sophisticated, atheistic, non-Christian, materialistic philosophy out there. Mm. And uh, it's becoming more and more necessary to really wade through that, have mm. the basics down, and then you know build from there with a, yeah. a better, better standpoint. So uh, I would say people tend to ask the same questions. Sure. They're certainly getting more sophisticated uh, these days. I remember back in the day, uh, apologetics was a secret weapon. I mean, all of us apologists were running around in the 70s and 80s cocky because we could knock you, your argument out of the park. And, you know, well, all of a sudden the 90s hit and the Internet hit. And I was shocked to find out that there were lots of my atheist friends who I didn't know too many until the Internet huh, uh, <laughs> actually knew these arguments too. And I sure. go, this is no longer the secret evangelistic weapon. <laughs> right. You know, right. For evangelism, we've got to be on our game and at the same time not lose sight of glorifying the Lord because uh, you know the tendency of course is to just get into a brawl and try to right. one up each other and stuff like that. Right. So. And that's one of the things I appreciate with Dr. Craig is that he is in the heat of the philosophical conflicts and uh, watching, I think I've watched almost every debate he has because I've been listening for a long time. Um, and I have not, I can, I can honestly say, I have never seen him ever uh, lose his cool in the midst of uh, the conflict. And so um, even just for myself, I'm going to ask you the question, but just for myself, one of the, uh, the things that I think um, Dr. Craig is a perfect example of is what a Christian gentleman looks like, regardless of what people might, you know, other Christian brothers and sisters who may, um, you know, share his philosophical and theological positions or whatever. Uh, no one can fault him from uh, for the godly character that he that he always presents, uh, especially in the heat of conflict. And I think that's something very much that we all need to learn from. So. I think that's important. All right. Well, let's shift now. Um, we're talking about the leg the apologetic legacy of, of Dr. Craig. And I'm gonna ask you a question, and it's gonna sound a little morbid, but it's 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 not. You kind of get the spirit of what I'm gonna ask. If Dr. Craig were to pass away and you were speaking at his funeral, how would you briefly summarize the impact he's had on you personally and the impact as you have perceived that he's had um, on the Christian world? I'd walk out and I would open my Bible. And I would say the WLC. And then I would sit down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because uh, it's, it's, it's screamingly obvious. I mean, um, uh, not that I would, uh, I can't answer the question, but uh, he has somehow been given the grace to do these debates and these lectures and other things that have been so disseminated and so widespread um, that there's just a whole lot of people who, who know who he is and have been influenced by him sure. and overlap between Arminians, Calvinists, Molinists. I mean, we all share the same uh, apologetic 
value on things. And so uh, that's what he's done as well. And you pointed that out during the intro, uh, which I, I, I thought was great because while there are theological differences and in, in, in things like that, there, there is a lot of common ground. And so he has been able to hone in on that. Sure. He's been able to show that he's got three rebuttals for every, anything that you can bring up. And so that says that, that makes people interested in learning. Sure. And not again, not so you can one up somebody, but so that you can represent better so that you can uh, make a bigger impact so that you can represent your faith better. And, um, and, and, and you're right. He, he is a gentleman. He genuinely cares and he's charitable. He will give his his opponent, his debate opponent, when he reads their material or if they say something, he'll give them the benefit of the doubt. He mm-hmm. will try not to set up a straw man. He'll, he will try to really hone in on what they say and then interact with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, this has captured a lot of people um, and electrified them. Sure. It's, it's caused them to want to. Uh, at least bone up. And a lot of people say, well, I'm going to debate like that. You know, well, uh, it's, uh, I'm telling you, that takes a lot of research. If you're going to have a mainstream debate sure. thing, debates are great. You know, I used to do them. Um, and, uh, but, but it, it takes a lot of prep. You know? uh, well, let's just say Dr. Craig uh, knows how to come prepared for a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really does. Yeah. Now, 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 less people, I, I could say um, from my knowledge of him as kind of just a person who's followed his work, um, uh, he's got a razor sharp mind, obviously. He's got a, a kind of a charming and cheesy scholar sense of humor. So that kind of is, is, it's kind of like, it's cheesy, but it's Dr. Craig, so it's okay. But he uses that to his uh, benefit when making some point that he wants to get across. And I think there is, there is a, um, there is a balance to how he uh, presents arguments and he uses a mixture, as I see it, of the intellectual strength of the argument, along with the Christian character, the character that's required to engage in those sorts of discussions and kind of that little charm that he has to make a point. I think all of these things, other apologists can can learn from in that we try to employ all of the uh, the things that God has given us um, to uh, the purpose of promoting the gospel, giving an answer to those who, uh, you know, who ask us for the reason for the hope that's in us. And I think he exemplifies that very, uh, very well. Now, on a more personal level, what what kind of for, for people who are only familiar with Dr. Craig at that professional level, uh, what sort of person is he um, just a. Uh, um, you know, when you're just having a basic conversation, I have a friend uh, who is um, uh, he's over at Trinity Radio. Radio is a Christian apologist. I believe he's the, the president of uh, Trinity, uh, Trinity Bible College. Um, I think there's a complicated name. It's a, it doesn't roll off the tongue. But uh, Braxton Hunter, who uh, had the pleasure of going with Dr. Craig and a few others uh, on a trip to Israel. And I asked him a while back, you know, how was Dr. Craig in, in you know, in that setting where he's kind of just hanging out? And you guys are traveling along. And he's like, He's exactly the same. So I kind of get that consistent answer. Do you think that there that, that Dr. Craig is a different Dr. Craig when he's kind of like laid back having normal conversations or or does he give you syllogisms for everything? <laughs> um well what you see is what you get. He uh, he really cares about people. Mm. And he really cares about the arguments and 
He's disturbed by misrepresentations mm. um, of the Christian faith. He's disturbed by um, uh, unsophisticated you know, theology, that we need to be as sophisticated in, as we can in our theology sure. and in our Bible knowledge in the grace of God. Um, and so he's very passionate about that. But he, but he cares about people. He started in ministry in the, in the, you know, in college, um, working with young people, working with people in the dorm, and, and, and he just, he really does care. Um, this, if you listen to the podcast, Doctor Craig's Secret Weapon, mm. uh, his wife Jan. That was great. Man, she is something, and she. Uh, has she keeps him organized and has yeah. helped him really? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. uh, in fact, I um, we all need a Jan in our lives. Sure. My wife is pretty much that way. She's kind of like that, very practical. Because Dr. Craig is thinking these, you know, he's going over philosophy and, and, and theology and thinking about. Uh, uh, infinite regresses and uh, and and vicious ones and and and, he, and so he's in thought and he's pouring everything into this and that's hard to stay organized when you're doing this. Me, I'm a creative guy and I'm, my brains are totally on that side. Okay. So I'm it's hard for me to be organized and I, I've I've learned from Jan just from the over ten years of of um of watching her because i'm thinking pink blue colors <laughs> and i can be just a you know a real scatterbrain yeah uh, i suppose so I, su I suppose if we are to talk about the legacy of dr craig it's really impossible to talk about the legacy of dr craig without mentioning the influence of his wife and yeah. being behind, I mean, that that in that particular episode of Reasonable Faith where you guys spoke about, you know, Dr. Craig's secret weapon. I mean, it just goes to show the importance of having a significant other that stands behind you in your ministry and gives you the strength uh, to, you know, emotional strength or whatever, whatever kind of support that 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 is a very, very important feature as to, you know, how an apologist or a minister or a pastor or whatever can be effective to to the best degree possible i think that's i think it's amazing yes and he's he's very disciplined of course jan i'm sure has helped with that but sure. uh, he does this at this point and this at this point and working from his home office you know you have to yeah because it'd be very easy just to chill as we're all finding out yeah it takes a lot of discipline if you're going to you know work out of your home mm -hmm. and he sticks to it. He sticks to it. He has a time that he looks at email. He has a time that he's going to read. And he's up early, early in the morning. Mm. What, what, he, what, if, you, if I could interrupt you there, I do apologize. I think people would be interested in this. And I know that Dr. Craig has mentioned it in articles because people have asked this question. But maybe you can kind of uh, specify. What does a study day for Dr. Craig look like? Have you ever spoken about that with him? I mean, what time does he wake up? What does he like to read? How does that all work out throughout his day? Do you, you ever talk about that with him? Yeah, I do. And he, boy, he's been doing the same thing for a long time. He's very consistent. Mm. And that's why I think he's so effective. He is just, uh, uh, he's up, I think four, four 30 in the morning, goes to bed early, gets up early devotion straight off the bat. He gets up and he will read 
passage. Then he'll uh, read um, uh, a report or something that he's interested in. Sure. Uh, that's more devotional rather than philosophical. Like for a while he was going through the through the church fathers, and for a while he was going through his devotions. For a while he was going through. Um, the growth of the church in different areas. And so he knew you know, a lot about that. And then, um, and then he prays, uh, works out. Um, he's got a, a muscular uh, ailment that he has to really keep an eye on. He eats right. Jan sees to that. Uh, he's in really good shape. He has struggled with, uh, with, you know, with that health issues, but he has stayed on top of it. Mm. Uh, and and so he gets exercise, um, and then he probably hits that study um, right towards seven o'clock in the morning and goes till five, you know, and wow. so um, or or sometimes longer. Yeah. But so the key I, thing is is consistency. Yes, and he, I mean, he won't check. He won't check email. This is insane to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we have phone. I mean, I got to check this thing every sure. five minutes. And email, uh -uh. He, he very seldom will he ever check it before five in the afternoon. Sure. If they're wow. it, Jen will come down and let him know, you know, but <laughs> he, really, he really sticks to it, you know. Well, that, that's actually, it makes me feel really special because uh, Dr. Craig is a, a high-class philosopher. He's renowned around the world. I reach out to people all the time uh, to, uh, you know, do interviews like this. And it's very hard to get in touch with people. And uh, there are people who I've messaged multiple times and just, you know, I acknowledge people are busy and I reach out. No responses. But I, I have to say, I have reached out to Dr. Craig on Facebook and he has responded. To Good. every every uh, even if it's a quick question, hey, what what Bible translation do you use? It, give, it gives me the time of day, and I think uh, for me, who I'm, I mean, he doesn't know who I am. I'm just a friend on Facebook, and I think uh, someone of his stature who recognizes um, the impact that he's having. I think when he's able to, he finds it important to you know uh, say hello or to or to you know answer a person's question. I think that's that's really difficult to maintain everything you're doing and also pay attention to the people that are not really involved in your life, but you're just kind of aware of your, even your Facebook profile or something like that. I think that's very, um, I think it says a lot about his character. I'll guarantee you he'll be on your show. You know, he's doing a lot more interviews these days. Yeah. I'll hook you up as well because uh, no, I appreciate that to be on. It'd be great for him to be on. So yeah, yeah. He's doing a lot more interviews these days. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I would greatly appreciate that. I'd love to have him. You bet. You bet. Um, but then now, now when we're speaking about uh, the the legacy of Dr. Craig, what, what do you what do you think, in your estimation, is the impact that he's making in the world of atheism? I mean, how do atheists around the world, people that he debates, how is he being perceived on the philosophical landscape today, as you see it? You know, I think the respect for him has grown among the atheist, agnostic, non-Christian, um, anti-theistic uh, community. Um, for a while, everything you read was, was just horrible. Mm. Um, it was all ad hom. And, I, you know, if you think about it, suppose, you know, that you, there was a Mormon apologist mm. who was so good and so smooth and so effective and three answers to everything that you said and could 
it was an outstanding deb debater. It'd be, you know, you'd, you'd kind of go, eh, get a little sour grapes there. I know. Eh, let's see if we can find something on this guy. And which is not charitable and yeah. it's not Christ-like to do that. But um, like a lot of it has been just because he's been so effective and hit, uh, his argumentation is his arguments are good um and he's been you know he's been consistent so i see a growing um admiration for him and there are others who have always admired him who are very prominent uh, in the like in the new atheist movement in 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 some of that group um and the, who were around before all that happened in the early 2000s who always admired him and are good friends with him. So that, that's good. Um, somebody asked me the other day, Dr. Craig really, he started kind of having an impact with Willow Creek debate mm -hmm. in the in the 90s, uh, late 90s. And because Zindler, the guy that he he debated was just real formidable. And people were very- I watched that debate multiple times, by the way. <laughs> Man, did he hit a brick wall. And I watched that on like a VHS. <laughs> uh, I, I bought that, 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 that debated VHS and I was stunned. Mm. And I started calling Dr. Craig to interview him on my show. Right. Because I thought he did such a good job without being snarky. Yeah. And well, and that kicked it. And then I was at a debate in Dallas, Texas, uh, right around 98, uh, 99, wherever it was. Uh, when he debated Parsons, there were 4,000 people at that big mega church. Yeah. There were overflow. And that was a very, I mean, that just launched this explosion. Sure. And they go, look, if, if he exploded and we're, we've seen this renaissance of apologetics, which we have. Sure. And, um, and, 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 and believers and followers of Christ are finally starting to see the value in this, which they're supposed to do biblically, you know, all of us. Uh, why did the atheist movement, the new atheist, hit right after 9-11 and just grow so big if you guys had such an impact? All I can tell you is, imagine what it would be like had he not had that impact, had there not sure. been uh, yeah. impact from Ravi Zacharias and Norman Geisler and, and, and others when it was just growing you know, um, it was almost as if God was kind of prepping the planet for yeah. that because he's going to come <laughs> as a as a result of uh, of nine eleven. You know, for the most part, the four horsemen of the atheists, uh, uh, the new atheists, and things like that. And so, boom, a lot of people were ready. Yeah, and that and that Zindler in that Zindler debate, I think that might have been the first debate I I had ever seen. Dr. Craig do. And one thing that amazed me was just his razor, razor sharp intellect and an ability to kind of recall certain facts. I think it was something where he mentioned a, uh, a quotation from Josephus, I think, where I, him actually just saying the quote and the reference where it was found actually brought the audience to a chuckle. People were laughing like, are you serious? I mean, he was like on page this paragraph that and um, on the one hand, you could see that as, wow, what a smart guy this guy is. But on the other hand, what an encouragement and an inspiration for believers to value the facts so much 
that in our own engaging within a, within the apologetics context that we learn to memorize uh, certain facts and Bible verses and, and arguments and things like that. I think that was the big impact that Dr. Craig had on me. Now, on the one hand, of course, I mean, he's a razor sharp guy. And I think a lot of people are attracted to his work because he, he is a brilliant mind. But at the same time, what an amazing example. I mean, he definitely puts that bar up there. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be at the next William Lane Craig anytime soon. But sure, I can I can learn from some of those things that he's doing. He can speak so much over the head sometimes that you feel like you've accomplished something if you grab just a little piece. Like, oh, OK, I think this I think I was able to wrap my head around. And that is helpful. It's useful. And it speaks both to the lay person as well as to. Uh, the, the people with the more scholarly bent. I think that's why um, I think I read an article just on unreasonable faith not that long ago, um, which it's an older article, but he was talking a little bit about how he double dips with his work. Uh, on the one hand, he will write something that is in scholarly in nature, but then he'll take that information, kind of retweak it a little bit and provide something for the layperson. And I think that right there is striking that balance that I think he does. Um, he does so well. Yeah, I think so too. And Another thing, because of his position, um, that by the grace of God he is he has attained, because of uh, um, these major secular or mainstream colleges that he goes to, the highest echelons. Sure. He also he'll read what his opponent has written, or look at a few videos or something. Just and that's part of that charity that he he's, he's talking about that I was talking about. He's charitable. He'll say, well, what, what do you believe? What do you think? And then he will, he'll, he'll know what they're going to say. Right. You know, for the most part. And that's why it's some kind sometimes studying. They'll say Bert, Bertrand Russell said somewhere that, uh, and then Dr. Craig will get up and say, yeah, that was on page 28. Bertrand Russell said, well, I've got it right here. <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know, that is such I've an important him, piece. I've seen him do that. And that's because, right. He's read um, their their work, sure, and and so he uh, and you can benefit from reading people's work, but you can also um, um, test it and see where you think the person's wrong and what what a Christian response will be, right, and so. Uh, that's part of that preparation. Right. And yeah. I think that principle of charity is a key point. Another another uh, apologist that does that well, and, and I, I say this with caution because he can be rough around the edges and there's always controversy surrounding him. And he doesn't always have nice things to say about Dr. Craig, but Dr. James White over at Alpha and Omega Ministries, um, definitely different perspective, right? But what I've noticed uh, between Dr. Craig and Dr. White is that in their debates, they go out of their way to read the other side. And I think that's something that 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 principle of charity that you want to you don't want to present your argument and not care what the other person has to say, even if you disagree with it. Yeah. But I but I think what you've explained uh, with regards to how Dr. Craig studies, where he begins his day with devotional material, there needs to be that balance that if you're going to be immersing yourself in the work of unbelievers, that you also need to be catering to your spiritual formation and your devotion time and things like that. Why don't you speak a little bit to that? Why, why is that such a vital uh, aspect of not just being a Christian in general, but doing uh, apologetics in particular? Yeah. And by the way, James White has had such a great impact on me as well. I mean, I used to watch him on the John Ankerberg show, mm. which was very formal in the eighties when he had that Afro, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching him for a long time and uh, admire his, uh, his abilities. Um, 
if if I were, hope the devil doesn't hear this. If I were the devil, <laughs> William Lane Craig is one of the people I'd really try to go after. Sure, because he has had an impact. There are plenty of people that I would try to go after, mm. and so, uh, man, he does recognize that. Uh, it's very humbling, and so he's very consistent in his prayer life, in his devotion life. It's an is it really is an inspiration because yeah, he's under attack, and he could it, it could be a lot worse. And I know a lot of people are, are are praying for him because of his position. Sure, but again, very very humbling, and and you better know that. Um, especially online we've all learned when this happened in the mid 90s and we all started getting on and doing our apologetics online sure. when the internet was new we had to learn not to get been out of shape with each other you say, know, say that again your voice kind of skipped out but what can you say that again we had to learn not to get all bent out of shape with each other mm. we had to learn to be charitable and loving because man there were some knockdown drag outs and and still you know it still is um, and you want to, you know, you could just easily start getting into ad homes. Right. Uh, but he, um, he really sees the importance of that. Um, he, he really sees the, uh, the need to, to ask for God's grace and, and, and really protection because, uh, man, I would think he'd be a big target. Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's an important piece to keep in mind. There's that, there's that balance, you know, people can be so obsessed with apologetics that they, that's all they focus on. And there's an imbalance in their own spiritual life. And that's a detriment in and of itself as well. I've been um, there. I've been there, you know, yeah. you, Oh, absolutely. You, you go into that mode and just start kind of just depending on that one aspect of your life. Hmm. And, um, and then all of a sudden you haven't, you're not doing what you told everybody else to do. Love the Lord your God with all your, your strength, with all your, you know, with all your heart, with all your mind. Right. And y'all, us apologists are saying, look, guys, y'all leaving the mind part out of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, there's been a very anti-intellectual movement that we've had to deal with in the church. Yeah, a lot of it unfortunately came out of the charismatic movement. Some of the excesses of that. Sure. Um, and uh, that's not all. I'm not trying to paint with a very broad brush, but there has been a, a real anti-intellectualism. So we've been trying to get them to come along in that area. Sure. In the meantime, they've been trying to get us to come along in the heart area. <laughs> yeah. So there is that balance. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, well, let's shift gears here. Um, and I think those are a super important points to keep in mind because uh, I don't want to keep going on it because we can speak on that. That's a that's a, a topic worthy of, of an episode in and of itself. The importance of keeping that devotional balance and that you know a full kind of fully robust, spiritually healthy life. I, I, a good apologist is one who is also um, being obedient to God in those other areas, right? Because yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you you are aware that it is quite possible to do apologetics unbiblically. <laughs> we can we can. Yeah. Right. So, so, uh, so let's leave that aside. That's very important. We give uh, some folks something to think about now. Um, kind of a, a fun question here. If you, um, had to identify your favorite reasonable faith, uh, episode in which after you were done with it, you were like, man, that was a great conversation. You know, Dr. Craig was on point on these, on these issues. And I think people are really impacted by that. What would you identify as your favorite, um, uh, reasonable faith episode? 
Wow. Um, well, one of my favorite episodes is because um, Dr. Craig, he really gets into a zone, and I do too. We're, we're, we don't let our emotions show. You know, we're trying to do all this, and um, we kind of key off of each other, the guys, you know, a couple of men. But we both got emotional. Sure. Um, several times. And one of them was Dr. Craig's secret weapon talking about Jan. And I let it in. I could have edited it out, but you could hear <laughs> you get getting choked up at the end if you listen to that. Um, that's that's one of them. I, I don't know. Sometimes we are so excited about a topic sure. um, that uh, it, it'll really come out. Um, um, this fight is fun, but the 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 West Wing episode that we did, oh, yeah. uh, homosexuality, a Christian response to homosexuality, that has helped a lot of people because I think we got some definitions down that needed to be gotten down, mm. and some aspects of the issue of of homosexuality that needed to be spelled out, mm. and that we needed to be a little more precise in our in our terminology and some things because it was just all kind of weird stuff and i i think he did a job on that mm. a compassion and love but at the same time spelling out what we need to do as a church um for people same-sex attracted yeah yeah of a big that west wing episode that you know that uh, a lot of people have pointed to as nailed all you christians you know sure uh, uh, in that in that episode it's and well so, well written it's well written it is it is quick and it ties things together. It, it hits all the stereotypical ways of looking at that particular topic with old testament laws and how you would apply it today um and it it was sharp and of course you have someone like uh what was it michael douglas who played the president or something like that was it Michael Douglas? Martin Sheen. Uh, Martin. Oh, Michael Douglas. There we go. Sheen. There we go. Martin Sheen. Michael Douglas did play it, though. <laughs> okay. I remember the episode. I don't remember the, the actual episode of the show. I remember the Reasonable Faith episode. Yeah. Uh, okay. And 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 so uh, let me ask you a more subtle question. And, and maybe you can answer it. Maybe you can't. I asked you what your favorite episode was. What do you think is the most important episode that you've done? That afterwards, you're like, hey, this is a central issue that people need to get down. They're talking about it. And this, and after coming away from that episode, you were like, yes, this is going to be very helpful and important to the church uh, as people listen in. Well, we've done several on uh, same-sex attraction, sexuality, and some things that I think are really going to help. Mm -hmm. uh, there are three or four. Okay. All of them, I think, are good. And so those, those have been important because for so long, uh, I mean, we had to resist. That's all people. Um, in 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 the last several years, all people have wanted to know what does Dr. Craig think about gender issues and things like that. And he's disciplined enough to where he will stay in his lane. Mm. And so he has to, sometimes uh, he's we're we're in territory that's not his specialty, like social. Uh, uh, social, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, 
social issues and things like that, um, uh, where you have to be pretty versed in sociology and, and culture sure. and things like that. And so uh, people want to know what he has to say about these things. And I'll push him from time to time. Bill, you're going to have to talk about this. Uh, even if you just go pastoral, you know, maybe just yeah. offer, some, you know, some of the insight and things like that. Most of the time he, he goes, I need to stay in my lane. This is, this is my area, you know, but yeah. um, so, but anyway, so we, we do get into important cultural and social issues from time to time. And some of those I think have been very important, but probably not as important as some of the stuff that we've done on cosmology and the Kalam, the design argument, the moral argument, um, Platonism and things like that, because that will give you a foundation by which to launch against and tear down these arguments mm. effectively, because all of them will have tentacles from right. these from these views, from these worldviews, from this philosophy, right? These philosophies that we need to evaluate and be able to respond to. And so, um, and, and, and obviously, um, boy, it's, boy, that's really hard. I'd have to really think for a while, but his work on the atonement is also very, very important mm. because again, we, we'd kind of gotten lazy on the atonement in the church. It seems to me, and we kind of scattered out and didn't really know what we believed. And, um, so his work on the atonement for a lot of people, he's, tighten that back up mm. biblically and philosophically to where it really needs to be. Okay. Have a more rigorous view of the atonement because, sure. Well, sure. you know, we were all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. That. Now I have not read, I've read a lot of his work, not his, not specific, although I might have something on the, I think I have this little book over here uh, on the atonement here that I have not uh, read yet, but I eventually will get, I mean, there's just so much to read, <laughs> but you know, I, de I definitely want to get to, uh, maybe if I wake up at four 30 in the morning, maybe I'll have time to, you know, yeah. you would think Dr. Craig, when he wakes up, he's spending at least a half hour on social media. Yeah. There you I go. Those, you know. <laughs> he's like, this is the, this is a green screen background. So, uh, yeah. they're not even real. Um, now you said something very important and I think is, is very useful uh, for people is when you're, you're talking a little bit about how Dr. Craig knows to stay in his lane. Please unpack the, the importance of this within the context of apologetics, because um, if you're familiar with online apologetics, you know, everyone's an expert, you know, right? Everyone's an expert on the topic. And so they try to speak uh, to areas. Christians will try to speak to areas that they have no business uh, speaking in. Um, why don't you tell us the value of knowing to stay in your own lane and kind of use uh, Dr. Craig as the example there, even being who he is, you know, he's kind of the guy to go to in the area of apologetics for a lot of people, but he still knows, Hey, that's not my, my, my not my area. Yeah. Um, it's okay to know a little bit about everything. By the way, the air conditioner just kicked on. If that's okay. That's, <laughs> if I need to run over there and turn it off. I will. If it's uh, okay. The pressers in it. But it, it's great to know and have a, a, a well orbed, um, be educated on, on a whole lot of things, but where are your gifts? Where are your passions? Mm. Um, that's that's a gift from God. And it probably was when you were six, seven, eight years old, it was beginning to form. Mm. And so just look at your whole life and say, yeah, what 
where is it that I can be most effective? What are my areas of interest, you know, that I do well? And I think that uh, all of us have to do that. Mm. But I'm telling you, when you get online, you get in these chat rooms back in the day, and in some of the forums now, people ask a billion questions. Sure. And so the pressure is to know it all. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I'm. I have done so many podcasts with Platonism, uh, on Platonism with, with Dr. Craig, but I, I've put that off a little bit. I need to bone up on that so much more, and I am interested in the topic, but um, there's still a lot that I need to read. Sure. In that, you know, um, so um, I, I, I'll try to get to it, mm. and you know when I can. But where are and, and then I had to decide for me as well. I'll, I'll tell you this. Well, am I going to be um, a person who teaches and who debates and who lectures in apologetics because I'm I, I, I'm so overwhelmed with the with the with the topic, or am I going to use my stronger gifts, production, radio? podcasting, sure. creativity, music, and all that, and facilitate those who have the education. So for a while there, thinking, do I need to go back to school, you know? And that'd be great. <laughs> do I need to get my PhD, you know, uh, in order to do this? And no, you know, you don't have to be smart. You just have to be informed. Sure. And so, um, and you can be largely self-taught. But there are a lot of people who... They do need to get their PhD. They do need to go to seminary. They need to be teaching. They need to be lecturing and debating and writing and doing that. But mm -hmm. uh, but not everybody sure has uh, got that. And then those guys need you and me, you know, as well, who've got some uh, some of the creative things going on in the, the interview mm -hmm. process and, yeah. and what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I've I've engaged in some debates uh, online as well, and some on on YouTube that that are available on my my YouTube channel. And I tell people right away, um, I have, and this is a, a removing the burden off the shoulders of the apologist. And I think this is this would be helpful. Just what I'm about to share about myself, and what I'll share about Dr. Craig, is that if someone asks a question, it is a great, powerful apologetical tool to say, I don't know, that's a great question. <laughs> let me let me go back because that that shows that you respect where the person's coming from, and that caters to prolonging the interaction. The people don't just look at you as kind of you're just trying to pull an answer out of thin air. I think there is a great apologetical, God-honoring value in admitting when you don't know something. Um, and I, and I've, never, I've never heard Dr. Craig in a debate say, well, I'm not sure about that. Maybe he has. Um, but I did remember his debate with Hector Avalos in which Hector Avalos pointed out an error in one of Dr. Craig's books, I believe. And I was like, oh my goodness, is this true? And you're going back and forth the first time, you know, and how is Dr. Craig going to respond? And Dr. Craig, if I remember correctly, admitted the error and says, yeah, I got to change that. And I was so drawn aback by the integrity of here you have Hector Avalos, who was just really going for the jugular and um, putting Dr. Craig in a corner. And Dr. Craig had no problem saying, yeah, you know, that that's 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 something I need to go and fix. And not only did that not derail Dr. Craig, his argument still came on top. Even if you granted the, you know, the error there, um, he was able to be the gentleman, 
show his honesty in the discussion and mount uh, a, a great defense for the resurrection. Yes, absolutely. I've seen him do that a few times where he'll go, mm, no, got to change that. You know, yeah. um, uh, I, sometimes it's the publisher. You know, if you're in publishing, you got to make sure that, that they get it right too. Right. Somebody online will, you know, you get an email from somebody who's reading on page 432, some, some kind of thing. And you go, I didn't put that in there. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you got to go back and, you know, that'll happen from time to time. But yeah, no. just, just be transparent, be authentic, sure. not right at all costs. Yeah. You know, um, be, be willing to, to just humbly say, well, yeah, yeah, you're, you know, you're right. But, um, um, boy, the debates that he's done for the most part have never been that way. I mean, the, the issues were clear cut. Yeah. They were large and just demanded rigorous, um, philosophical, theological answers mm. and responses, uh, both defensive and offensive. And right, so, right. Now, what, what would you say is your favorite debate that he's engaged in? What do you think? When you watched it, you were kind of like, man, that was a great back and forth. There's a lot of meat here. People are going to find this valuable. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of good ones. Probably the Zindler debate had the biggest impact on me because it launched this sure. whole thing. Okay. Um, I eventually called Dr. Craig and said, Bill, I've been, um, for a long time, I've been um, interviewing you. We need to do our own show for radio. And he goes, yeah, some people tell me that this podcasting thing is going to be a big deal. Maybe we need to do that. <laughs> okay, well, let's try to do both. So we are looking toward, um, you know, looking forward to doing some radio as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, God. I see that I have 1% power left on this. I'm going to have to plug this in here in just a minute. Yeah, good. Why don't you take a few moments and I'll just make a couple of announcements there. You want to plug that in now? See if I can find the plug. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, folks, um, I hope you guys are enjoying this discussion. I love this sort of stuff. I know a lot of people like to just jump into some theological issues and, and apologetical issues, but I love to take uh, an influential thinker and kind of uh, look at their legacy, look at the impact that they're making. Um, uh, study the, you know, learn about the different ways that the person studies. I like to learn about those uh, sorts of things. And so I hope you guys are enjoying this, especially coming from uh, Kevin Harris, who who knows Dr. Craig very well. So we kind of get like an insider scoop, so to speak. Now, um, of course, those of you who know my, uh, my own uh, theological and apologetical convictions, of course, I am reformed. I'm a Calvinist. Uh, Dr. Craig obviously is is not <laughs> okay, um, and I'm a presuppositionalist in my apologetic methodology. Um, but at the same time, one of the goals that I have with doing this uh, ministry revealed apologetics, obviously, is to promote apologetics in general, and being a presuppositionalist, promoting presuppositional apologetics um, specifically. But one of my goals also is to build bridges between the differing apologetic methodologies, because. Without compromising one's apologetic convictions, you can still find benefit from uh, interacting with with other material and uh, and seeing kind of the value that other apologists from different methodologies, the value that they can bring to uh, to our study of apologetics. And so, I I I, I want to just kind of encourage people 
not to be so narrow that they just can't stand learning something from someone who doesn't agree with them, right? And of course, we're not undermining those disagreements. Obviously, certain disagreements are, you know, they're a big deal. I think apologetic methodology is important. I think the issues of Calvinism, Arminianism, and Molinism, those, those issues are important. We don't want to downplay those things. Um, but I think we need to learn to live with certain differences, um, uh, seek to understand what the other side is saying. I mean, what you'll find is uh, just as there are inaccurate representations of a presuppositional apologetics, uh, sometimes there can be inaccurate representations of the presuppositional representing the, the classical side or the evidential side. And so I think these are important things to, to keep in mind. I am by no means uh, uh, compromising my strong convictions. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, a very ardent follower of the presuppositional methodology. Um, I'm, I have very high regard for Dr. Cornelius Van Til and Greg Bonson, um, but I do not want to eliminate uh, many of the other resources that are out there within the Christian community that can serve a great uh, purpose. Now, um, I just want to ask you guys for just a few minutes. I'm going to try to reconnect with um, uh, uh, with Kevin here, and uh, let's see if I can get him back on. I think in his attempt to reconnect, um, let's see here that there is a connection issue. Let's see. Just bear with me, folks. Okay. And uh, connect. All right. Let me see here. Okay. So I've sent uh, Kevin the link here. Uh, can someone give me a heads up if you guys can hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put uh, Kevin back on. Let's see here. And you are back on. <laughs> Sorry about that. That is quite all right. No, no worries at all. Um, yeah. I, while you were, while you were gone, I was just talking about the importance of uh, being able to benefit from those whom we disagree. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, I am a presuppositional apologist. I am uh, very heavily read in, in Cornelius Van Til and Dr. Greg Bonson, um, but I've ha always had a great appreciation for the classical tradition, and I do think that the methodological differences are important, but I think that a lot of people have seen these differences in such a way that they've uh, they've seen no value in looking at the other side and saying, hey, that's actually a really useful thing. Let's see if we can um, benefit from the different methodologies. And we may have different theological convictions, but there's definitely uh, kind of a, 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 how can I say this? There, there's, there's a way to benefit even with those with whom we disagree. And I, and my goal is to build bridges, um, not only between presuppositionalists and, and classicalists, but with Calvinists and Molinists and Arminians. Again, not to undermine the differences. We have those strong convictions, um, but but let's talk about them. And I think a lot of people are so narrow-minded in the sense that, nope, this is where I stand and I'm not even going, you know, heresy. And that we throw that word around a lot. And so I was just talking about how we need to be careful about that. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's so much value to read each other and to, to, to find out where you come down on a particular issue and why. Right. But if you're not reading Bonson, if you're not, um, uh, if you don't avail yourself of stuff that, that James White 
is is saying and what he's written you're ripping yourself off mm. i mean uh there's some good stuff and um so don't you know don't be so narrow yeah. and convinced you, you're exactly right these are as you say important issues they're still peripheral right. but they are important you know well we hold to the essentials of course 101 but uh the peripheral issues can be very important as well. Mm, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, we, we can learn a lot from each other. A lot of these are in-house debates. And uh, I'm a little more charity for a while. We were kind of going after everybody's uh, the Calvos were in the precept. <laughs> the, the Calvos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it just really nag getting in each other's grill. And uh, I'm saying, enough, guys. Come on. Right. And now I'm seeing I'm seeing a little more dialogue, you know, and I'm seeing some good natured uh, yeah. ribbing each other. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that, that's what I'm trying to do here with this show. I, I usually get uh, if I'm not doing something myself and teaching something apologetically or theologically, I like to have, uh, you know, conversations. For example, we did have James White on, on this show critiquing Molinism. And of course, yep. I had uh, Tim Stratton over at Free Thinking Ministries to come and respond to Dr. White's critique of Molinism. So you could hear both sides. And I think um, regardless of where you stand, that's a useful tool. I mean, you can learn from hearing both. Because what I find um, as I, I'm a Calvinist, I used to be a Molinist. And I used to, before that, used to hold to a different position. But when I came out of Molinism, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, uh, like I came out of it like it was some cult or something. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Um, but when I came out of it, I did notice that a lot of the, the critiques that were offered by my Calvinist brothers were misrepresentations. Yes. And so, uh, again, I'm a Calvinist. I... I uh, someone's someone just made a comment. Eli keeps touching his face. That's a no, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have to be careful of what's going on over here. Um, but um, I think having these kinds of conversations open up those gateways of communication so that even if you disagree in the end, at least you understand the person's perspective more accurately. Think about Matt Slick. Matt Slick had one of the first Christian websites That's <laughs> in right. the history of the planet, you know, Carl, <laughs> That's right. him, Christian apologetics research ministry. Gosh, I guess it was the mid nineties. He got, he got good at that. He got good at making a website and right. bulletin boards and, you know, and, and, and these debate boards and stuff like that early. He was, he just had a network. He got Carl launched and we all just flocked there. We learned so much from that. And, He's Calvinist, um, and um, I, I've stayed with in Matt's house a couple of times with his family. I mean, we, we have this great relationship. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Matt's a good friend of mine. I didn't know that you guys were connected anyway. And so we learned to um, – um, he's invited me to speak to some of his conferences and some things like that. Um, we just learned um, – where uh, to be to be close and be friends, uh, despite some peripheral differences, you know. Sure, I'm, sure. We'll yeah. Right. Um, now uh, we're gonna try to wrap things up, and I want to kind of bring it back to Dr. Craig. But I think those are important conversations to have, and I think um, it, it, 
the communication between the different groups and different perspectives and things like that, need, that bridges need to be built and they don't always have to be built within the context of debate. And so a lot of people might be frustrated with Dr. Craig, for example, when he doesn't want to debate other Christians. And so you have yeah. the you have the people who are very hungry. Well, we want to hear how he would defend against this person. And they're so obsessed with this, you know, and, and I'm guilty of that, too. I'd love to see, you know, Dr. Craig and someone like James White hash out, you know, uh, you know, apologetic methodology or Calvin. It was interesting, you know, but at the same time, I kind of understand where Dr. Craig is coming from. I think he has a good sense and maybe you can kind of confirm this. I think he has a good sense of the importance of the work that he's doing that he doesn't want to veer off to engage in some of these never ending uh, kind of disputes that are kind of in-house that are important, like you mentioned, uh, but are not necessary for what he's doing. W would I be correct there? Yeah. Um, statement, you know, you can read the mission statement and also his personal mission statement is he will lecture and debate in the top colleges and universities in the world with some of the top scholars in the world. Mm. And that's what he's been given the grace to do. Uh, a lot of people would do a really good job at debating some of these top atheist scholars, sure. but they won't get answered because they don't have the credentials and, you know, and things like that. Um, and you can get the whole credentials debate and, and things like that. Did you, and you, you, you gotta be as consistent as you can with your strategy, um, uh, and I think there'd be some really good debates from non PhD people who would like to debate Dr. Craig, but he's just trying to be uh, consistent, knowing how academia works sure. and how, and, and if you're going to continue to be uh, invited back, it's going to have to be a certain decorum and strategy and, and some things like that. Um, but at, at the same time, if you'll look on reasonablefaith.org, around the website, you'll see that he has interacted theologians who Christian box and uh, evangelical even on some of those in-house debates in print. Yeah. So he tends to do those just responding in polls and, and, and things like that. And the public debates, he's more interested in doing what I spell. And that is, you know, debate the, uh, materialist, the atheist, the agnostics, sure. scholar, you know. And I think that's a very important to, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Your voice skipped out. I didn't want to I'm skip over you. I'm saying that's him. But I am glad to see good uh, interactions and even debates uh, between brethren, between, you know, Christian scholars mm -hmm. on some of these issues so that we can, so that we can be educated on them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and, and I, th I think it's important to recognize, too, that we, we live in a very visual uh, society. And so everyone looks at these uh, YouTube videos, you know, uh, the podcast and things like that. And I think people need to understand. I think people know this, but they don't really it doesn't really, you know, process in their minds. Dr. Craig is a scholar and the majority of his work is in scholarship, research and writing. And so these debates, although very popular, is not the main focus of, of what he's all about. And so uh, to his defense, uh, especially for many of my Calvinist friends who wish, you know, wishes he would debate some person, you know, whoever that might be, we have to grant him that uh, even though he hasn't engaged in a lot of public debates on in-house issues, he has addressed those issues in writing that's available for people. Uh, so we can't act as though as though those things don't exist. 
Uh, if you're interested in what Dr. Craig thinks about those areas, you know, read those materials. Uh, just because he doesn't cater to our visual audio sensibilities to touch on the topics we wish he would, um, he has addressed those in writing, and I think people need to avail themselves of that. And guess what? If you disagree with him, okay, that's what the material's there for, so you can work with and grapple with. Um, and I think he does that quite charitably. It's really a matter of sticking with your strategy. Sure. Because people think, why doesn't Dr. Craig debate Matt Dillahunty? You know, the big atheist spokesman who does the show down in Austin. Well, it's not a pride thing. It's not an arrogant thing. It's just a strategy thing. And that's a good debate, you know. Yeah. But um, Jeffrey J. Louder, you know, has wanted to debate Dr. Craig for a long time. And then admiration for for dr craig but uh, to his to dr craig's credit he is stuck with a strategy and again he knows kind of behind the scenes how academia works sure if you get into too much what they'll can be fluffy the uh, it could it could harm your ability to be invited for a lecture series or for a debate sure. or to, to write in one of the journals that be published and all those things that we don't tend to know as lay people. Mm. Um, but um, I do want to see good, you know, some good debates on doctrine, you know, yeah. and so we can start working on and have a better, a clearer aspect of God's sovereignty, human responsibility. Uh, okay. What are the views of free will? A lot sure. of people need to know that. People do need to know that, and so there's a lot of room for it. It's just, it's just Dr. Craig. Uh, he's he's kind of got a strategy. And he's probably going to, you know, stick to it. Mm. Now, okay, so so we're going to try to wrap things up a little bit. I'm going to ask you one question, which is a reiteration of the first question I, I asked you. One of the first questions I asked you. Um, and it, it, overall, if we were to summarize, then uh, if we were, if someone were to say, uh, Kevin, what do you think is the the overriding legacy of Dr. Craig now? and a legacy that you perceive him to leave behind when he's gone what are how would you answer those two questions what is his legacy now and what is his legacy as you perceive that one day when he's no longer with us uh, what does he leave behind that is a great benefit to the church he has probably been instrumental in being the kalam cosmological argument mm -hmm. and very cosmological argument uh, that needs to be in the forefront. But we all stand on the shoulders of giants, just like he does. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, you know, and, and he loves Alvin Plant's great admiration for uh, Dr. Planigan. But he's really brought the Kalam front and center. Sure. Um, his, his work on the atonement, I think, uh, is very strong. And I, I want to tell you what. What I think is going to happen, I think he's, again, by the grace of God, he's going to be very instrumental on where we are on any of the historical Adam and Eve. Hmm. All the biblical, scientific, archaeological, geological, uh, genealogical questions and all these things that are uh, some of the new scholarships that's coming out, I think he's for some reason that a lot of this is moved toward him and um, he's facilitating some people like Josh Swamidas who've done a lot of good work on 
uh, and, and kind of giving them a platform as well and figuring out what, you know, well, in light of some of the new stuff, Bill is saying, and, and Dr. Craig is saying himself, where do I fall on this? Mm. You know, in light of some of the newest evidence and what is the newest evidence and things like that. Sure. And so you're going to see a lot of work coming out and also being either inspired or facilitated for Dr. Craig on this question. Yeah. You know? So he, he hopes that his work on the Kalam and the atonement uh, leaves a legacy. But I'm telling you, I think that, um, that this Adam and Eve question and some of the newest stuff that's coming out, and it's all good. You know, there's, there's nothing, I don't think anything really radical sure, going sure, on there. Sure. Uh, and, and another thing is, he seems to think sometimes that when, when he's gone, when the Lord calls him home, uh, that that'll be it as far as reasonable faith and, and the legacy and things like that. I, I don't want that to happen. Uh, you know, and personally, I don't. Not that, you know, I mean, his work is going to be around forever. But I want to continue to build on some of the stuff that he's put in motion. And he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He works out. <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> I could tell. I've seen some pictures, man. He's got some, he's got some pretty, pretty big guns for a guy his age. <laughs> now, now, I, I I do think that there is one one piece of advice that I can give to Dr. Craig, measly little me. Uh, if I can give any advice to Dr. Craig, if he wants his arguments to be sharper and more powerful, is he needs to grow back his beard because he sounds much more convincing. I don't know. Every time I watch those older debates with that beard, man, he sounds brilliant i mean he sounds brilliant either way but the beard it's got it's got power that he needs to tap into again what do you think about that it's hilarious <laughs> funny the, the, the memes that come out are about dr craig and his beard you know that's right and, uh, i don't know i'm gonna try to bring the mullet back uh, you can do you can do it my, my contribution right. to uh apologetics is bringing <laughs> the mullet back 1988 but uh Listen, we yeah. don't we don't need the mullet anymore. If you bring back the mullet, people are just gonna it's gonna add more ammunition to the problem of evil. <laughs> like, if, if God is good, why do mullets exist? Come on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. All right. Are there any um, closing uh, words you'd like to uh, leave us with, or a word of encouragement, or something before we wrap things up? I think we've covered a lot of good bases. Uh, your Eli, I appreciate your emphasis on getting along in-house, um, finding where we have common ground because we do have the great commission that we're, we're working toward together um, in, in being charitable and being loving. Uh, not trying to just stand under a waterfall, you know, and, and take it all in at the same time because there's a lot of information out there. But to, to learn as you go, Find out where you specialize. But I will tell you this. I, I'm, I'm a guy in Texas. Um, I'm pretty transparent. I pretty much tell it like it is. He is the real deal. He is a genuine, um, caring individual who loves God, who loves his family, and uh, who, who loves everything he engages with. Yeah. Um, he's got to be firm because of the onslaught of naturalism, sure. materialism, atheism, and all these things. But he, he really is uh, a decent, caring 
human being. And I've had a lot of, we, we do these podcasts and we break for lunch and we try not to talk about apologetics and philosophy. We try to get it on other topics. And I've been doing this for over 10 years, going to lunch with him. Sure. And I can just tell you, he's a real deal. We've been vulnerable. Uh, and then we'll uh, go to the dinner when Jan will come along. And so uh, they are an admirable couple. They have a great marriage. It's, it's almost ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> it was makes you sick. <laughs> those pet names, Holly Feather. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm going, would you enough already? Yeah. So they have a tremendous relationship. And I'll tell you a secret a while back, as good as their relationship was, they said, why not avail ourselves of some marriage counseling? I mean, if there's anybody who's not a candidate, it's those two, <laughs> you know? And I said, what? And they said, well, I mean, why not improve? Why not, you know, maybe you can't always see things. And so they actually talked to a counselor friend of theirs and it strengthened their marriage even more, <laughs> you know? And so, um, but, uh, Anyway, uh, there is a great heart behind that great mind. Mm. God has given him both. Pray for him. He's got some physical challenges. Um, and then he's got the spiritual challenges that uh, I think anybody that is in his position is going to have. And so, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. My, my, uh, by the way, Kevin, my birthday is in July, but we can pretend my birthday is like, a couple of weeks from now and your gift to me could, could be getting me Dr. Craig on, on this show. I'd love to interview him. Um, I'm a very happy camper. You're on. And thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate you being on and I think uh, you give a very unique perspective on, on the work that Dr. Craig is doing. And um, I think uh, with that gift that you have to take complicated things and kind of simplify them for the average listener, I think that is in itself an apologetic, valuable, a valuable thing. And so, um, of course, everyone wants to hear the arguments and things like that. But as you mentioned before, that issue of strategy, I think there, that's an important strategy to have to be able to not only listen to what the scholar's saying, but listen to the kinds of questions that are being asked that are touching on those very important, uh, important issues. And I think, um, and that makes you in your own right, uh, a very useful apologetic tool for people who are listening. And so kudos, kudos to you. Um, uh, Thank you. And, and I, I appreciate it. So um, guys, that's going to wrap up the show for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I'm going to also be using the audio to put on the Revealed Apologetics um, uh, podcast. Um, if you have not already, please subscribe to Revealed Apologetics on YouTube. And of course, if you, I, I would not imagine anyone who does apologetics and is not already a regular listener to Reasonable Faith, but of course, I would point you over to Reasonable Faith as well. Their, their podcast, YouTube channel, and their website has uh, many great resources there that I think people will find very, very helpful and useful. Uh, well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much. If you guys have any Bible questions or anything, apologetics questions, you can email me at revealedapologetics at gmail.com. That's it for today. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to the Revealed Apologetics podcast. Uh, if you have any questions um, that you would like me to cover in a podcast episode, uh, please email them to me to revealedapologetics at gmail.com. Dot com. Also, we very much um, appreciate your prayers, and if you wish to support Revealed Apologetics financially, uh, you can by doing so. Um, we have a, a PayPal account set up. Uh, you can um, uh, 
help us out financially um, at paypal.me slash revealed apologetics. Paypal.me slash revealed apologetics. And that would be uh, greatly appreciated if, if you were able to help out financially. If not, um, we, we definitely would appreciate uh, prayer. Um, and um, once again, if, if you have any questions uh, that you'd like me to cover, revealed apologetics at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and God bless.